sit yourself down and force yourself to do it. When you first do it, you're going to feel guilty. Like I should be doing something. I should be doing a task for my business. And that's because you're an operator. And you realize that, that is your job to be there and focus on that stuff. You're going to see immediate results. Microphone check one, two. What is this? You're now listening to a brand new episode of the Play Big Faster podcast. Look what you done started. Talk to him. Attorney, high performance coach, and speaker Cherie Prince asks hard questions to really get to the bottom of what makes entrepreneurs tick. From starting a business, marketing, strategies, and the ins and outs of their industries. We talk everything from book recommendations, lifestyle hacks, and everything possible to get you inspired and motivated to build your own business. The Play Big Faster podcast starts now. Let's go. Welcome to another episode of the Play Big Faster podcast. We are joined today by Robert Poole, and Robert Poole is special because he helps entrepreneurs go from operator to business owners. Not only is he a West Point graduate, but wow, he has a lot of information to give you guys with over 25 years of helping entrepreneurs grow their companies and turn them into scalable assets. Robert, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Sherry. Thanks so much for having me on the show. And we've got a lot of fantastic guests, so I'm in uh, good company here. So quite an honor. Thank you. Look, how did you actually start out working with entrepreneurs? Well, a lot of us entrepreneurs that, that got into the business, we thought, well, I'd really like to be my own boss and have an unlimited income and all that good stuff. And usually after a few years, we realized that that doesn't always <laughs> quite as how we planned it. So I, I tumbled into entrepreneurship a little bit. I um, when I got out of the army, uh, this is late nineties or mid nineties, I did a couple different things, did commercial real estate, corporate recruiting, did financial investment sales at one time. And I stumbled onto doing a website design business with a friend of mine because he needed a website for his business. And I thought, Hey, that's great. I'll help you out. And so we started this company and we didn't have any money. So at that time, both young and so we decided cold calling is the way to do it because we couldn't afford to advertise. And so we started cold calling and then one day we had one of our clients ask us, Hey, can we borrow a couple of your cold callers for our business? And we realized pretty quickly that there was more demand for that to help small business owners grow their company through cold calling. This is all B2B, not just to clarify the, the residential calling you on your cell phone or at that time calling you at the dinner table, so to speak. But so that really took off. And, um, the 25 years later, I'm still in business and still do millions of B2B cold calls every day. And so I was, we started this business on a shoestring and like most entrepreneurs, it's, it's one of those things that you just build over time and that you don't really know where it's going to end up. But what really changed for me, I had a great business partner for many years and, but unfortunately he passed away in 2017, just one day he didn't come to work. Uh, I thought, wow, that's odd. Turns out he had a heart attack the night before. And, and so suddenly I'm in charge of this big company and we had always had each other as a crutch. I'd go on vacation for a few weeks. He'd cover for me and vice versa. And there's always that mental crutch, but then all of a sudden I was stuck and I realized, boy, not only can I do all this, I have no freedom in my business. And so I spent a couple of years probably trying to figure out how do I change this business? How do I get myself out of it so I can get my life back and, and really turn it into an asset? Because I realized what at the, where I was, because I, because of that whole situation, I had to have a business valuation done. And one of the big themes was well, your business is not worth very much because you're, uh, the business is relying on you. So a lot of wake up calls that I discovered through that. And so I was able to make it through that process. And 
since then, I've been helping other small business owners try to make that same transition themselves, as I found that a lot of business owners were in the same boat I was, where they're tied to the day-to-day. -day. Uh, that, that's a long answer, but that's a, how I came to all this. If you can give us your definition, what's the difference between an operator and an owner? Well, it's so in, an operator, I think it was Michael Gerber that said that, that we need to spend time working on our business and not in our business. And so an operator really is, if you're required to run the business on a day-to-day -day basis, if you're involved in the operations, if you're making decisions, if you're, if you can't go away, you're most likely an operator. You're unfortunately, and it's hard for the egos of us, I, I know personally, um, that, but the reality is we're pretty much employees who happen to own hundred percent of the company for the sole owner. Um, and uh, versus an owner has that flexibility and they can focus on big picture things. If they go away for a couple of weeks, I always say the litmus test is if you can go away for you know, three weeks to Tahiti, not bring your phone or your computer, not check in with your company, uh, and you get back and your company is not only still in business, but it's thriving and growing without you, um, you become a business owner because it's not, you're not tied to it and you're not necessary for it to function. And on the other hand, if you come back and it's having real problems and things are a mess, then you're still in that operator mode. And of course it's a spectrum, but that's the general concept behind the operator versus owner type of thing. And Robert, you know, it's almost like an oxymoron because most people who seek to become an entrepreneur do not seek to be tied to the business. How do you make that transition or what's the first step to make the transition from operator to owner? Yes, yeah, there's really four th major things that I focus on, but I think the biggest thing and the biggest thing that, that entrepreneurs struggle with, and it's largely, and it's a good thing because we tend to all be very high achieved. Uh, we work hard and um, a lot of a type A personalities, but we also tend to want to hold on to things and it's hard for us to let go, so to speak. We'll be in our business and, and even if we have an employer, employees, and, and we'll think well, I should delegate this, we know them, but a lot of times we think yeah, I can just do it myself. I can do it faster or you know what? Nobody else can do this as good as I can. And the first step really is changing your mentality. And that, that's a lot harder to do than it would seem. And if you have to shift your role about your mindset and how you look at your company and realize that your job is not what you think it is. Your job is not doing things in the business. It's not answering the phone. It's not talking to clients. It's not even doing sales. Obviously, when you're first starting out, you've got to be involved in it. But the idea is that as you become an owner, you're focusing on big picture things like, where do we take this company? Why are we in business? Um, those kind of big picture things that allow you to grow the business from the standpoint of figuring out what to do and not the how to do it and the implementation of it. So it's really the mentality shift is, I've found it's one of the most difficult parts of it, um, but once you get it, once it clicks, so to speak, and you get out of those habits, um, then things start to accelerate. At least that was my experience. I've seen that with a lot of clients as well. You mentioned that's just part of it. What are the other parts? So I've done that. I've changed my mentality. I, I think the there's really, as I said, there's four parts. There's you as an entrepreneur. There is building of a team, the human part of it. Uh, it is uh, the processes and the automation that goes along with it. Uh, and it's really, it's changing the whole culture of the company to uh, where everybody is on the same page as far as the understanding of why you're in business, what you're doing. And the biggest thing I focus on is everybody understanding marketing and sales, because that really is the lifeblood of a company. If, if 
people in the, you have a couple of salespeople, and then you've got people in, you know, let's say an accounting department or operations or something that's not related to sales. If they don't, if the people that are not in sales don't understand marketing and sales, they can't support and they can't do their job effectively. So that was one of the things I changed is that sales and marketing needs to permeate your whole company from the quote receptionist or whatever you would consider the lowest skill position right up to top management um, that needs to permeate everything. Uh, and it really, and it, just to, to skip back to the first one I mentioned, uh, or second, the human part of it, because I come from a military background for many years, my attitude and leadership style was very top down. And that's, that's helpful in the military. You can't have people questioning you when you're going into battle and lives are aligned. It's you do it because, you know, your superior said to, and, but that doesn't work in real life in outside of that context in business. And it took me a long time to figure this out. And one of the keys to becoming an owner is to create a bunch of mini owners in your company, if you will. Um, if you can get everybody in your company to feel like they are part of the company, that they are an owner in that company, you've made it. That way you don't have to worry about what people are doing. You don't have to put tracking stuff on their computer to see if they're doing their job. When people take ownership like that, uh, that is the, the holy grail of getting to the business owner status. And so we wanna create teams that that become those many owners. And one of the biggest difficulties, particularly for small businesses in the last few years, of course, is finding quality employees, finding the right team members. And, and it also doesn't necessarily have to be W-2 employees. And this applies for contractors because a lot of us use contractors. And if it's people that you use regularly and they're, you consider them almost like employees, they're part of your team, that applies to them as well. So we've got to not only We've got to be able to find those people, but we've got to be able to retain the best people too, which is very difficult. Um, and unfortunately, we've got to figure out how to let go of those that are not part of the team. They're not going to be you know, adding to the company. And I did that again, very poorly for many years. And I, through a lot of trial and error, figured out all three of those aspects. You know, it's, there's nothing like, like our, just to give you an example, our current company, the average tenure of our employees is over five years. And when the, probably the first 10 years or 15 years in business, we were burning through people. You'd be lucky to make it a year at our company and, and the turnover and everything. So that, that human capital is so critical. And it's because I've, if you look at like from a, a business value standpoint, uh, if, a, if an outside investor, let's say a private equity firm or whatever, they buy a company, they're usually buying it for the customer list. It's not even generally for the technology. You think about Facebook buying Instagram. Could Facebook have not done the technology that Instagram has? No, of course they could. What they were buying was the massive users of Instagram. And so that's from an outsider's perspective. But from our perspective as small business owners, that's not nearly as critical. Customers can be replaced. The people, the team that you put together, once you put together those little mini owners, they are the most valuable part of your company. Because you know, if you get you know, sued out of business or you, you, know, you lose your biggest customer, if you have the right people in place, you can come back within a very short period of time. And because you've created that team. So that's really the critical part of it. And, and then the other, the last aspect really is what I would say, a lot of people talk about automation and systemization. And that's what they think when they even think of how do I become an owner instead of operating? They think, oh, I'm just going to automate everything. And we forget that automation is just a tool and that it's really about process and systems. Meaning if one of the most, I would say, impactful 
things in early in my business career was that book, The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. He's done a couple of versions since, and but it really got across that concept of creating repeatable systems and processes. And technology is just there to support those, um, but you've got to have the right people in charge to create those processes because process takes creativity. And if we can create these processes that can be repeated over and over again, that are tweaked over time, that are maintained, that are changed to fit the business. Well, for instance, when a new team member comes in, if you can literally hand them the process, so to speak, hand them the training manual, if you will, your SOP, then you can get them up to speed much quicker than if you're um, trying to figure it out on the fly, which is what we did for many years. It was, hey, you're a new employee, come sit down here with Mary or Bob and watch them do their job for three months. And then it would take another six months for them to figure things out before they started paying off versus now we have somebody come in and well, they are up to speed within a couple of weeks. And so implementing those processes better for your internal team, better for profits, better for your clients, better for your customers. They get a better experience. And so creating those processes again and not, and we're all guilty of this, I think, because technology is so cool. Let's face it, we've got a tool for everything these days, and now AI is really adding to it. But so it's, you get that kind of shiny object syndrome where you think, wow, this is really cool. I should implement this thing. This is a great system or process or whatever. And that's all, all great. The technology is great, but we, we get a little shiny object syndrome and I'm probably the worst at this, a new technology or something. Uh, but we forget what it's really about is process and systems and the technology is just a way to implement those. And so if we focus on those four things, getting our own mindset right, getting our own, realizing our role in the company, um, putting together that team and putting together those many owners, figuring out the sales and marketing that permeates the entire company so everybody's on the same page. Uh, and then finally figuring out the processes and the systemization. I think those are the, the major keys that, that I discovered that really made a difference in my business. Uh, again, that's a very long answer, but those are some of the critical things I discovered along the way. It took me a lot of trial and error to figure those things out. And so I know that a lot of what you just mentioned involved employees, but what if mm -hmm. I'm a solopreneur, a mompreneur, or I'm a coach and I don't have a staff? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it is a little different, but it's not exclusive. You would think that well, that doesn't really apply to me, but again, even if we're, let's say an author or a consultant or a speaker, you know, it doesn't completely apply. Well, again, you most likely have contractors that you use on a regular basis, or you have vendors that you use on a regular basis and developing that relationship with those people and creating, um, many teams so that everybody's on the same page is just as critical as it is with you know, the actual employees that maybe work directly under you. And, and because if we don't have, again, if people don't take ownership of what they're doing in life in general, if, we're, if they're just doing a job to get paid and it's a transactional thing instead of a relationship, you just, you never get the quality that you really want. And because they're not going to do those little things in the background that you don't see, it's as always in life, it's the things that we do that nobody sees that actually matter. If, for instance, if we um, are an author and we have a contractor who does editing for us or design or whatever, if they are not, if they don't have a vested interest, they don't believe in what we're doing, you know, as an author, they don't believe in what we're writing about or whatever, um, they're not going to do as good a job as the person who's, who th thinks of themselves as part of your team, part of your your mission so to speak so part of the takes that kind of that ownership mentality uh, so it's a little bit different but it's just as critical and again you've got processes and systems that still apply to that and let's say again the author example if you've got 
in some sort of system, let's say you've got a book funnel or you even if you sell on Amazon or any number of things or you're speaking, uh, there's still logistics involved in that. And unless you want to basically continue to have a job, which is fine, it's just a choice. You do need people to back you up with that. And when you do go on, you decide to do that trip to Tahiti or whatever, somebody's got to be there to back up that somebody you can trust. And even if it's on a part-time basis, again, even if it's a contractor, because there's always administrative things to be done, things that, you know, your finances, um, fulfillment, all that good stuff needs to be able to handle by trusted people that you can say, you know what, I, this is not even on my mind. They've got it. And when you put together that and you put together the content that goes along with it, the intellectual property that usually comes from people in that position, as you document those things, that in itself becomes a sellable asset. Again, if it's if you're an author and you do things on the side, maybe you do seminars or speaking about your book, that becomes intellectual property in itself. Recording yourself on video if you're speaking at a group about your book or even you're doing a book signing for that matter. Doing anything that can be, uh, because of everything, all the technology today, we can video everything, we can document everything, and we can create that intellectual property that has value to it. And so even after we're long gone or retired or whatever, that, that still has value to it. It can be passed to somebody else, even if you're not the person doing the thing, so to speak. You look at a, a major speaker, let's say like a Tony Robbins. He's, I think he just turned 60 or something last year I was reading. And, uh, but he's, of course, he is a mega speaker and that sort of thing. And he's got all his programs and everything. But I guarantee his brand and his company will outlast him. He could retire next year and yes, he won't do you know, the seminars and that sort of thing live, but he's trained enough people. He's got enough product and things out there that that actually, that brand becomes an asset in itself and it will stay there into perpetuity as long as somebody maintains it. So I think, you know, it takes a little bit of a different approach, um, a little bit different thought, but again, I truly believe that any business can be turned into a sellable asset and allow us to really get out of that that being tied where we have the freedom that we got into business for in the first place. So Robert, now that we know that these opportunities are available for people with employees and without employees, now we want to know how long does it take? And I know that it's a little bit different, but if I wanted to contact you and work with you to go through this process, what does that look like? Yes, absolutely. And it's uh, my, my sister's an attorney and you'll appreciate this. Her favorite answer is it depends. And <laughs> there's a, there's obviously a spec, you know, where you are on that spec of, of operator to owner. So that drives some of it. A lot of another factor is your, for lack of a better term, your motivation, how long it takes you to mentally make that transition. Uh, but in, in real terms, I've seen people make drastic changes in 90 days. Um, or a year or, you know, longer than three, you know, you know, some of it depends on the size of your company, where you are. If you've got a large company, uh, it's a lot harder to uh, change the direction of an ocean liner than it is a speedboat. But as a general rule, most businesses, I would say that have a small number of employees could probably do it in under the year, uh, maybe faster. So again, it's not, the, not the cleanest answer. That's, that's reality. So I'm a big believer in, Hey, that's what it is. Let's not mess around. Well, one thing that I mentioned at the beginning of the episode um, was that we had you here today and you have a special gift for the listeners. I believe you're offering a strategy call. Yes. I wanted to offer a call to three of your listeners, uh, the first three that, that contact me, just because I have uh, limited time, of course, and but I'd be happy to talk to you and kind of evaluate where your business is, where you are on that, that spectrum from operator to owner. 
and give you a, a strategy that you can really implement using those four areas, you know, and that where you can make substantial changes in the next 90 days. And again, go anywhere from making that complete transition to making good progress towards it. Be more than happy to speak with you for a half an hour or so. And so if you're interested, please feel free to email me directly. I always find it's easier to coordinate that way. My email is robert at operator to owner.net. Uh, and that's operator to owner to.net. And, uh, and we can set something up from there. Awesome. And I'm also going to have that in the show notes. So okay, please, perfect. one of the first three to contact Robert. Robert, one last question for you. Mm-hmm. If you had one piece of advice to give an entrepreneur to help them play big faster, what would it be? I think the number one thing that really helped me make that transition was dedicating time to become an owner and focusing on owner issues. And this is a longer topic, but just briefly, I developed a habit where I spend a certain amount of time. For me, it's 30 minutes a day when I first get into work in the morning where I literally, I turn off the computer. I have an extra office. So I go in there, there's nothing in there, but me and a pad of paper. And I sit down and I force myself to think about big picture owner type of items, uh, those things that, what are we really in business for? What is the strategy for the next six months? What do we need to do that's going to make a difference? Or do we have the right client? Who are our clients now? Who should they be? You know, those types of questions. Uh, and as you do, it kind of feeds on itself. And so that was one of the things that really, really impacted me. And I started out doing a discipline. I said, I'm going to do it 30 minutes, three times a week. But the key is you've got to put it on your schedule. I always do it first thing in the morning because I know if I don't, it's not going to happen. So I literally, you know, I get into work at seven. And so seven to seven thirty for me, it's every single day, but I started out three times a week, uh, but sit yourself down and force yourself to do it. And when you first do it, you're going to feel guilty. Like I should be doing something. I should be doing a task for my business. And that's because you're an operator. And you realize that that is your job to be there and focus on that stuff, you're going to see immediate results. And I think that was probably the number one thing that really made a difference in helping me make that transition. So I would highly recommend that. Robert, thank you so much. Yes. Until next time, play big faster. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Play Big Faster podcast. Want more entrepreneurial content? I like this. Make sure to subscribe for future episodes. Already subscribed. I just clicked on it. Don't forget to like and leave a review. Share with a friend that needs this in their life. I think you need this more than I. Oh, and make sure to follow Cherie on IG at Cherie Speaks. And remember to play big faster.